<clears throat> podcast Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more info on the shows and the network, visit www.podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now for free at podmetrics.co. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Hardesh Singh, a co-founder and the CEO of Radical Eye, and Shivankar Srivastava, a tried man, a co-founder and the CEO of Radical Eye. Hardesh and Shivankar, how are you both doing today? Very well, Michael. Thanks for having us. Very good, very good. Myself as well. Uh, very, very good to be here. It's a pleasure to have both of you. Hardesh, why don't we start with you? Can you give our listeners a little bit of your background for context? Sure. Um, well, I'm a Singaporean, uh, trained as a solicitor in Australia. Um, was pretty convinced early on that I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I came back to Singapore, joined the compliance profession and, you know, um, spent several years in compliance and financial services and eventually decided that, look, you know, I see a lot of opportunity to use technology to you know, make things better in compliance basically make my life better. Uh, and so I left to start uh, Radical Eye together with Shibankar. So before we get to Shibankar's background a little bit, I just want to follow up for a second. You said you studied to be a solicitor. That means mm. that means a lawyer for people that don't understand. But you decided early on you yeah. didn't want to be a lawyer. Why was that? Oh, no. So I actually went through the whole thing. I actually yeah, qualified yeah. as a solicitor. No, I understand. <laughs> and, you know, I just felt that, you know, there were too many lawyers around and I just felt personally um, there was more that I could do and there was more that I wanted to do. Um, and th- at that time, I remember telling myself that I wanted to be closer to the business and I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, and this was before I actually, you know, was even aware of the term compliance. And when I was basically looking for a job and, you know, I came across this profession and the more I read about it, the more intriguing it seemed because gave me an opportunity to marry my legal training, you know, um, and get closer to the business. And, you know, um, when I found that, I was like, yeah, this is this is perfect. This is right up, you know, my alley in terms of what I wanted to do. And, you know, never looked back since. Got it. And Shivankar, how about you? Give us a little bit of your background as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I finished my undergraduates in computer science in 2017, and I worked for a year in in a, in a Flipkart-based e-commerce firm in Bangalore for a year uh, in the data science team over there. I was very interested in building products, uh, looking at new machine learning algorithms, new NLP-based algorithms, how we can make things better. So always tinkering around with side projects. And year into my job, I realized I really want to do something right now. And I was kind of uh, working on side projects by the night but realized that it's really not working out and I really need to take this long term. That's why I kind of came across uh, one of the startup incubators in Singapore, where I applied to, got selected, moved here in July of 2018, and kind of met Hardesh uh, at the incubator itself. And we and we kind of hit it off uh, when we met. And what Hardesh brings to the table is more from background on the compliance side, right? And I can bring around uh, ideas around tech, AI, how to solve things, how to solve things fast, clean, and and ship things, right? So that's kind of my background and where I come from. I'd love to found my own um, sort of co-founder who's a tech partner. Did you say you worked at Flipkart? 
so I worked at uh, Mintra, which is uh, an acquisition that Flipkart made. Got it. That must have been that must have been fascinating. I mean, Flipkart's obviously one of the most famous startups. Is it even a startup really in India? So wow, that's really interesting. So Hardesh, you mentioned you you went and started Radical Eye, but before we talk in depth about what Radical Eye is, maybe you should define, and maybe both of you can take a stab at this, what regtech is. Hmm. Good question. Well, in a nutshell. RegTech is short for regulatory technology. Right. And the way we understand it and the way we prefer to define it is it's basically any tech solution that alleviates pains associated with complying with regulations. And, you know, it is a broad spectrum of problems, which means there are a broad spectrum of solutions, right? It ranges from anything to do with anti-money laundering solutions to due diligence on vendors and suppliers. Um, basically, you know, um, anything that makes the lives of compliance and risk professionals easier. That's how we would define RegTech. Got it. Okay. So then let's go, let's dig a little bit deeper and both of you can go into this as well. Maybe Shivankar, we start with you. What is, what is Radical Eye? What does it do? And how is the tech side of it? Like, how does the tech side of it give it scale? We help compliance teams in financial institutions uh, understand what regulations mean to them. Right. Now, that's a very broad statement. Uh, but what we attempt to do is give them, first of all, the broad coverage of regulations that they need. Right. Uh, so let's say you are a payments firm in Singapore. Uh, we'll tell you that these are the particular 100 regulations in Singapore that affect you. Over and top of that, we help them understand what these mean to you as a business. For example, in a payments firm itself, uh, you might have certain laws around how to store data. You might have certain laws around how to transfer data or how to store personal identifier, identifiable information in your service. So there's certain obligations in these regulations that you need to kind of manage. We can draft that out and give it to you as certain obligations. And on top of that, we give you a workflow-based tool, uh, which you can use for maintaining your obligations, for transferring it within your organization and managing it on a day-to-day basis. That's what Radical Eye does. And, and what does it, what gives it scale is we are essentially doing what traditional law firms or consultants would do, but at scale. Uh, we build a product that can scale to any kind of regulated industry. Uh, it can scale to any particular country. We are not constrained by what kind of business you have. Because at the end of the day, we are a product. And what you feed into it, what kind of data you feed into it is up to you. But Hardesh, what does that mean? In other words, as the regulations change, are you updating, I don't want to say database because it makes it sound too simplistic, but are you updating your sort of regulatory frameworks on a constant basis so that if something changes, it gets reflected in the sort of documentation creation, the data, so all this kind of stuff that Shubankar just mentioned in real time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or near real time, basically. So yeah. when it, I mean, you're right to say that regulations do change. Um, and as and when they change, you know, each company that impacts needs firstly to be aware of the fact that, hey, something's changed. Right. So we deliver these alerts. We, we notify you, look, something's changed. We deliver it to you uh, via a solution. And beyond that, we also do a whole host of other things that Shubankar mentioned. Right? So we identify obligations. So we draw your attention to specific obligations in the regulation that you should be looking at. We are now able to automatically suggest tasks that you should be thinking about doing in response to this regulation. 
And then we give you like a workflow solution, right, to implement uh, that regulation. Wait a second. I want to jump in there because this is, this is interesting. So let's say I've done some kind of deal. It's a generic term. Hmm. And then, and do you have access to that? Or maybe you don't, but does, do I have an API that then connects to your sort of backend system in your database that, that like allows me to keep track of all these regulations and as regulations change, Yes. Yeah. And as those regulations change, it scans my existing sort of documentation, scans my existing deal set and says, wait a second, that thing you did back in February of nine, you know, 2014 may be impacted by this thing. And to fix that, you need to do this. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Well, not quite, but you're almost there. So if you share not so much your deal, like we won't be able to tell you at this stage, which, you know, uh, if it impacted the previous deal, but in a, in a much more simplistic level, what we do is that if you share your policies and your processes um, for your organization onto our platform, we can notify you, you know, when a regulation comes in, which of those documents are impacted. And, you know, beyond that, we can also tell you which of your procedures are impacted and also which stakeholders in your business, you know, should be notified in relation to this regulation, right? So it's similar to what you what you mentioned in terms of automating that impact assessment process, right? But this is where we integrate natural language uh, processing, right, to look at the terms and the language and, and identify similarities between documents and flag them out for your attention. Like, hey, you don't have to step through hundreds or, or you know, um, a multitude of documents. We're telling you what's impacted. So you just review the suggestion and decide, you know, what are you going to do next? So is this, and I want to get to Shivankar on the tech side in a second, but does that mean that there's some sort of legal or law firm disintermediation taking place here? In other words, in the old days, your lawyer would probably call you and say, hey, just so you know, this regulation is changing and here are the three things you need to do. Are you in the middle of that process now? Pretty much. Um, and <laughs> I feel, I feel very uncomfortable trying to, you know, whenever there's conversations about, Hey, is your tech going to take away? Uh, no, 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 know, no, no, no. That's not, jobs, right? I'm not, I'm um, not suggesting that because he, let, let me just go yeah. on record as saying this because <laughs> no, no. I'm, and I say this all the time. This is not just about this conversation, but I want to be clear about this to me. This is actually a term that law, this is actually a, a technology that law firms can and should use because what they should do is they should use this to superpower their own lawyers, right? Which means that, and I always say this about salespeople, about pizza delivery guys, I, it's, I say it about everything. And that is your crappy lawyers are going to be crappy lawyers no matter what tech you give them, but your great lawyers are going to be able to do much better work, like almost transformational work if they have access to what I would call like a real-time sales trading system that we had when I was at. UBS. It didn't take the job away from the sales traders. It just made them look like geniuses, right? Mm. So don't, I'm not suggesting at all that that's what's happening. I said, are you in the middle of it? I didn't say, are you taking yeah. it away? So let's be careful about terminology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Okay. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, and that's pretty much what we're trying to do as well. Um, to really, you know, put our solution in the hands of lawyers, in the hands of consultants, because as you, as you rightly said, right, we see a strong use case for them to really drive productivity internally. And it's also, you know, there are opportunities for them to deliver new and existing services in a novel way through our solution, right? Um, sure. Which then sure. may lead on to, as I said, additional opportunities, improving client stickiness, um, and also helping them contribute to the adoption of, um, you know, tech solutions, right? Because they are, you know, if we think about it, you know, these firms, these law firms and consultants have a closer touch with clients, right? Uh, traditionally. So why not, you know, work together and, you know, deliver solutions to, their, to them and to their clients as well? 
Yeah, and look, the more I talk to firms like yours, and again, you're in the regular, you're in the reg tech space, but you could be in the insure tech space, you could be in the fintech space. Yeah. The more I feel much comfortable with the fact that everyone's not going to lose their job just because technology is going to superpower them. What it's going to do is it's going to make people a thousand times more productive. Mm. Like, like, think about it this way. You could probably build a robot that could do flawless, and I mean flawless open heart surgery. A human only has two eyes, right? Yeah. You could give a robot 16 eyes and 15 hands, 16 hands, right? But at the end of the day, when the patient wakes up, he's going to want to have a doctor there going, am I okay? And that human-to-human -human interaction is never going to get replaced, and we can argue about it until people are blue in the face, but I just don't believe that that's the case. I want to ask a couple of tech questions. You mentioned natural language processing, right? NLP. Can you tell me how that's being used? In other words, because normally when people think of NLP, they think about somebody speaking into a microphone and then a machine understanding it. But I want to talk about NLP first. Tell me how that works and in what context. Then I want to talk about more tech in a second sure. as well. Shibanko? Yeah. So what you just mentioned was voice-to-text conversion, right? That does use certain parts of NLP, uh, understanding what you mean, translating that into actions or intents. When you say play a song, the Spotify API understands that you need to do this. But what we're trying to do is we take a lot of text from these regulations, right? Parse them, break them down into, down into sentences, break them down into obligations, identify which obligations mean what, which obligations affect which functions of your company, right? For example, a typical obligation looks like your entity shall subscribe to so-and-so by this and this date. If you don't do that, you will be find this and this dollar amount of money. So we right. understand what these sentences mean, break them down and notify you that maybe you are affected by this, right? Now, if you give me a privacy policy or if you give me your anti-money laundering policy, I can tell exactly this particular sentence is affected by this particular new obligation that came in from the government. All of that is being powered by natural language processing because I'm understanding what kind of nouns are impacted, what are the verbs, what are the penalties. Maybe the materiality of a particular regulation is more than a materiality of a normal guidance document that was released. And there are hundreds of guidance documents that are released every day. So how do you know which ranks higher in terms of what you need to look at today, right now? So all of these things where human kind of understanding needs to be where human understanding is needed, we can kind of sort rank these things, right? Uh, sort rank or kind of highlight certain things up to you. At the end of the day, we can't take decisions for you, right? At the end of the day, you decide what is actually material to you, but natural language processing can maybe highlight or bring things up to your attention. So can you just give me an example in like a, you know, in a world that only has like two regulations? Right, just regulation A and regulation B, and let's say you're starting from scratch and those regulations are written down in some PDF document or some Word document. I want to understand what you do with both of those documents to then apply natural language processing to it and then how you rank them against each other. In other words, what's the process for understanding? Because the NLP doesn't know, like it, it can learn what it says. But like you said, it doesn't, it can't make a value judgment about which one's more important. So how do you first understand what it says? And then where do you go to understand which one of them is more important? So there's, there's multiple ways of doing this. You must have heard of supervised and unsupervised machine learning, right? Uh, if you're going for unsupervised, you'll write particular rules that if your sentence has 
uh, a certain kind of a verb and a certain kind of a noun, then you do this, uh, which is very straightforward. A lot of people do that. Uh, when it becomes interesting is when you have supervised machine learning algorithms, when you have training data. So then your training data becomes of value. Now we have a lot of data taggers for us, which are actually annotating and tagging different regulations from different countries and telling us what they mean, telling what are the obligations. And I won't go deeper into it because it kind of revealed the uh, hearts of our algorithm. But uh, <laughs> we are tagging every, each and every sentence to build a huge data set of kind of training data for the algorithm. Another thing that I can tell you is we look at the context of a sentence, right? This is very popular in natural language right now. If you look at a sentence, you look at two sentences above and two, sequence, uh, two sentences below, and you see what is the right. kind of theme of this topic. So we try and identify, oh, this, this regulation is talking about protection of personal data and, let's say, transfer of personal data across servers. So we kind of try to identify these are the themes, and because these are the themes, uh, stakeholder X and Y will be impacted or policy X and Y will be impacted. So that's kind of what we're doing. Is there a way to make the regulatory bodies your clients as well? In other words, they have reams and reams of documents and regulations. And, you know, to the extent that people get hired there, get fired there, or just retire or move to a different country or a different regulatory body, there's no way that every individual there can understand every regulation. Is there a way to get them on board as clients and say, give us all your docs, let us apply the NLP to it, come in and do sort of the supervised machine learning with us so that you can help us actually score them and give us your understanding of which one is more important in specific situations. Do you know what I mean? And then make their lives like a thousand times easier by saying, because then when somebody has a question for the regulator, they can just say, sure, because they know the answer off the top of their head. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, I'll just share a bit and then, you know, Shubhanku, you can explain the mechanics. But this is basically the heart of what we're trying to do. And this ties into a point that, you know, we raised, we discussed earlier. We're trying to build an ecosystem around uh, our solution, um, which includes not just compliance professionals, but also consultants, lawyers and regulators. And you're right, when it comes to regulators, it'll be so much more efficient um, if you have this straight through processing mechanism in place, right? So from the time they start thinking, you know, about, hey, we might want to develop um, a new piece of regulation or to amend an existing piece of regulation. And typically, they, they'll, they'll have a consultation process. They can do that already through our platform just by featuring that document in our solution. And we have the means to compile feedback from the community which you know, becomes a much easier process than it is today, right? That's one use case. You know, a lot of regulators the, you know, are already talking about uh, machine-readable regulations, right? How do you, you know, um, build and disseminate machine-readable regulations that can be easily transmitted and adopted and implemented by firms everywhere, right? So there's a lot of exciting work that's being done on that front as well. But very, very many uh, use cases, um, and it is something that we are actively looking to explore. Right. Shubhanka, maybe you should talk a little bit about what we're doing on machine uh, readable regulations. Machine readable regulations, I mean, uh, there's a lot of noise coming out, uh, especially from uh, the Western regulators uh, called the FCA, one of the most progressive ones. We've done a couple POCs uh, recently, which kind of analyze uh, whether it is even possible to kind of codify your regulation into code because there's so much nuance in language. Uh, there's so much nuance in even a semicolon or a full stop. Uh, how do you even <laughs> convert that to code? And, and, and I personally see this as a long-term project of ours because we need both sides to work, right? We need the regulators to work 
with the regulated together. Uh, we need APIs from the government to be able to plug into them. Right now, what we're doing for many, many regulators, some of them are advanced. For example, the MAS from Singapore is advanced. They give APIs. But many, many regulators, we're just scraping information from their uh, websites. So we need that level of maturity before we can actually talk about widespread machine-readable regulations. Can I jump in for a second? Sorry, because the API, the API as a market itself is actually something that's very interesting and important to me. So you said the MAS already has an API system that they've built themselves. They've probably been working on it for years. And let's say it's robust enough for you to connect to it, which means that then other people can connect to it also. So they can easily become part of the ecosystem. But let's pick another country, you know, country X that doesn't have them and that maybe doesn't have the capacity because they're building other things, right? As emerging economies and developing countries are doing this, that's not going to be high on their list, right? It's going to be more like providing water, electricity, internet connectivity, that type of thing. Can you go in and actually build APIs for them as well to drag them into the ecosystem? Does, Does that make sense? And will they pay for that, actually? Yeah. To be honest, we haven't explored that yet. Uh, we haven't had th- those kind of conversations uh, with regulators. We did a POC for one regulator, and we kind of explored a few use cases. But what we kind of got out of it was the product, the general market ecosystem needs a lot more maturity for us to kind of work together. So I wouldn't have a very concrete answer to that question. And it also depends okay. on their priorities, right? I think, as you as you mentioned, Michael, like, you know, um, regulators from developing countries would have different priorities at this stage. And, you know, in, in, in some cases, they might be expiring to raise their standards, you know, to, you know, um, regulate like MAS or the FCA, for example, right? So it would be relevant, perhaps not, you know, immediately, right? Yeah, just curious. So who ends up being the biggest clients? And I'll say this, like before we got on this call, I was just thinking, I can see obvious applications in financial services, right? That's my background. I sat on a trading desk. We had a compliance desk that sat like six rows away from us so that if we wanted to do a trade and we weren't sure it was compliant, we would literally like walk over and just say, uh, Tom, is this thing going to work? And, you know, they'd have to actually do some work to figure it out, right? Because they're not machines. So there's an application there that I can see that's really straightforward, right? Taking the trade structure, pumping it into a system, understanding what the regs are and coming back and going, yeah, that's fine. Without even understanding like the nuts and bolts of the regs, which is you know, taking that API, feeding it some data and having it come back and say, yes, you know, with some interpretation from the human for sure, right? And also things like insurance, insurance heavily regulated. I can see it working there. But what other industries, if you're going to give this to consultants, give it to lawyers, like what other industries will this work? Like, you know, manufacturing where there are sort of pollution regulations and stuff like that? Where else does this work? Yeah, so, I mean, right now we focus on financial services, but you could look at the healthcare sector, um, you could look at telecommunications, you could look at utilities, and even companies, you know, uh, with who have to comply with their own listing rules in different countries. These are all very immediate use cases um, that we can explore and adapt our solution with minimal changes uh, to help them solve, because fundamentally the process is the same. There are external regulatory standards that apply to my business that dictates how we should manage and govern our business. And we need to basically meet these obligations, not just once, but on an ongoing basis, right? And if you look at that, then that's the use case um, that we're trying to solve. There's a problem we're trying to solve. So there are very many industries that we can do this for. And the distinction here is that we're not just delivering regulations to you. Um, And this, this is a key Market distinction for our solution. 
is that compliance risk, you know, is, is existential, right? It's not optional. Yeah, and, no. right? So if, you know, if something's existential, then you need to manage it. And if you want to manage it, you need to monitor it. So what we are trying to do is tell you like, look, hey, we're going to help you measure and monitor your compliance risk and actually give you a score. So at any point in time, you know how compliant your organization is uh, and where your, 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 your red flags are in terms of compliance. Now, that's a key distinction. So we try and break everything down into a number that you know compliance professionals and management can draw some comfort from. At least they know they look I know I have a metric to measure and monitor my risk as it relates to compliance regulations, right? So that's that's yeah, a point I mean, of distinction. Yeah, yeah, I mean, compliance itself, like you said, in a vacuum, it matters and it doesn't matter, but it's existential. Mm. And the point is that you kind of have to do it. You see Deutsche Bank and JP mm. Morgan and all these companies violating regulations and getting fined $5 billion. So it's not just like a nice to have. Yeah. Like I said, we saw this on the trading desk all the time. But And do you see a way for you to create, to take the brand of Radical Eye and make it like the stand, you know what I mean? I always talk about this. And the one thing that Intel and Windows did back in the late 80s and early 90s was they created that sort of Intel inside and like Windows powered kind of thing. And then it just was like, you don't have an Intel chip in your computer. What's wrong with you? Mm. Right. In other words, is there a way to take Radical Eye and say like, not approved by Radical Eye, but like somehow make that the brand yeah. that everybody needs to do their stuff. Yeah. And that's that's the mission, right? So the solution is basically Mika. So we've called it Mika, which stands for My Intelligent Compliance Assistant. And, you know, I think you made this point earlier, like, look, when it comes to law firms, like, if you realize the potential of adopting tech and what it can do to your team, it can supercharge your team. We want to yeah. apply that same concept when it comes to compliance risk management. Like if you're in compliance, if you're in financial services, you need Mika on your team because the work that you should be doing is so much more important compared to tracking regulations and deciphering whether sure, it's sure, right. Sure. So as a minimum, right, you should have a solution like this in your team, but not just compliance professionals, right? It should be the common platform from the time, you know, regulators issue regulations to the regulated entities and to how intermediaries, like talking consultants and lawyers, how they get involved in the process. And what we're trying to do is, as I said, build an ecosystem where everybody has a common platform to interact and manage and interpret and apply you know, regulations, not just in one country, but across, you know, different jurisdictions, because there are also commonalities, right? Regulators look at each other and For see sure. how they're, you know, managing risks, right? So. Yeah, I mean, look, you in the old days, you could actually have a situation, and either one of you can answer this, right? But you could actually have a situation where you had like plausible deniability, right? Well, I didn't know that changed, right? But if you create this ecosystem, and I would, I would posit, actually, if you put it on a blockchain or some kind of distributed ledger technology, and distribute it that way somehow, and you created that ecosystem, if a regulation changed, you now have no plausible deniability because you must know because the system's already delivered it to you. You can have a record of that information delivery. Mm. And then in a way you have, you either have to be more compliant or you have to make a conscious decision to violate that compliance. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's, that's a perfect use case. I think, you know, you can definitely sort of break it down to that level of detail where, you know, um, regulators could basically use technology to disseminate regulations specifically to each entity. So when it comes, yeah. when it comes knocking on your door, you know, like, Hey, this applies to my business. This applies to, you know, how we, how, which functions it applies to. But the challenge here is, you know, um, 
even if we do that, that the problem here is not that people, as you know, people appreciate the, the, the importance of compliance. People want to do the right thing. People want to do, you know, what's necessary. But it's how well are you doing it? How adequate are your procedures? How often are you measuring and monitoring, you know, your compliance? Right. And and that's where lapses tend to happen generally. Um, and I'm generalizing right now, but because you're talking about different risk categories, but the lapses here tend to arise in terms of how adequately are you actually managing your risk? Right. And and that's what we're also trying to solve. Right. Um, by giving you the means to automate your compliance monitoring uh, on an ongoing basis, right? So you know on an ongoing basis how compliant we are. And what we've been seeing is that a lot of people are using Excel spreadsheets, right? Uh, right. The be all and end all. Um, <laughs> but they're using, yeah, for, for everything. everything. And they're using Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, it is, it's fine if you only comply with a bunch of documents, but what if you're operating across different jurisdictions? What if you have multiple entities? You know, you can't convince any auditor or regulator that you're taking your risk seriously. You can't even convince yourself, right? I used to do this, right? How how do you effectively hope to convince someone that you're you know you're on top of an existential risk for your organization if you know you struggle to demonstrate what you're doing on Excel spreadsheet, right? So yeah, again, really interesting to me because the sort of bottom layer is just making sure you understand what all of those regs are, and then as you move up, sort of. I always get this wrong, but maybe as you move down sort of the funnel, you're getting closer and closer mm. to risk management, right? And the risk management and that constant, not surveillance is the wrong thing, but monitoring is actually really important. And that's also part of that ecosystem that you're building, right? So the first thing is just yeah. what are the regs? Are they changing? The second thing is, are we monitoring them properly? The third is, if we are or aren't, yeah. let's score them so we can understand. And then what policies do we put in place? Like there's a whole system you can build around this that that's beyond just like, do I know what the regs are? Which in and of yeah. itself is important, but not nearly as important of what you can build on top of that once you That's know perfect. I think we should there. hire you as well. <laughs> you just described it very well, and that's what we do. <laughs> right? So you're right. Like <laughs> delivering the regs to you is just step one. It's a very basic step, right? But it's, yeah. it's you know, what do you do after that? And that's what we really help you do. We help you implement the regulations internally, right? And is it expensive? In other words, is there sort of a cost saving here as well? And are there more regulations, less regulations? Is that whole mechanism growing, getting smaller? I love this over stat, uh, and, and Chewbacca can jump in. So but I love this stat when it comes to the, you know, the volume, the growth uh, in the volume and complexity of regulations, right? So uh, there's this cost of compliance okay. survey that you know, comes out every year. So I think in 2012, um, about 98 regulatory updates were issued throughout the year, every single day. And then that number jumped to over 200 in 2012, right? So it's an exponential growth, you know, year on year in terms of the volume, the number of regulations that are being published globally, right? But, you know, Shubhankar, are you going to jump in here with your views? Yeah, of and even, even since we started in the last one, one and a half years, uh, we've tracked over 100K regulatory documents, over 100K news articles, and that's good amount of training data for us to work with. So it's only growing. And that's gold mine for wow. us. <laughs> yeah, and so and what's driving that growth and the change in the in the regulations? Is it just sort of governmental oversight, or is there has something else changed as well? 
I guess it's just down to risk management, right? And again, I'm trying to trying to give a really intelligent answer, but effectively it comes down to risk management, right? You know, the business environment adapts and changes, you know, it, it evolves and innovates and regulators have to basically, you know, keep up, right? And monitor and, you know, sort of be at the forefront of, you know, not so much stifling innovation, but also monitoring it, monitoring developments, trying to figure out how can we sort of foster innovation while sort of protecting and identifying, you know, um, fallouts or externalities that uh, arise from innovation and design regulation to protect, you know, uh, different stakeholders, right? So it is a generalized answer, but, you know, these are some of the considerations that regulators have, right, when it comes to to implementing regulations and which may also inform why, you know, uh, they're increasing in, in, in volume. In terms of complexity, I, would, I guess the environment we are in, you know, it's getting it's getting increasingly complex as well, right? I don't know if I asked you this earlier, but if I, if I did, you just say we've already covered that. But do you see a place for the team as well to get involved in sort of regulation creation? In other words, if you know what's already out there, helping the existing regulators, either in the background or in the foreground, say, here's how I think you should word this, because these have been the most effective, the most easily monitorable type of stuff, and the most effective on the outside as well. That's exactly, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, well, good question, because that's what we are, you know, it's one of our goals, right? Our vision for the solution is if we actually truly manage to build an ecosystem and, you know, we've, we've got proper yeah. uh, usage of the solution industry-wide across different sectors of the in- industry, then what the regulator also will be able to get access to are insights, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what I was asking. People responding to regulations, you know, um, you know, what are they saying? How are they interacting with regulations? Uh, different sectors, different entities, and this gives you a pulse, effectively, of the, the the industry that you're regulating. And how does that then help you design um, better regulation? How does that help you regulate, you know, the industry um, better? And can regulators share this data across different jurisdictions as well? Right. Right. Because the idea is, I guess, sorry, the idea, I guess, is if you build that ecosystem and let's say it becomes not just local, not just regional, Mm -hmm. but global, I can imagine a situation today, right? I'm going to back up for a second where a typical regulator wants to create some new framework and they go out to the stakeholders and say, what do you think about this? But how do they do that? They do it over email. And they get a thousand emails back and forth, and it's impossible for them to categorize it, to understand it all, to read it all, and to collate it all and, and organize it, right? But if there's this one system that does all that for them, like that also gives them feedback on it that gets consolidated into one place that can then get actually NPL analyzed, yeah. well, then they don't have to do the analysis, right? You can use all that tech that's already on the platform to do that analysis to help them make the to help make the recommendation for what that could look like. That's the feedback. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's kind of cool. Well, that's what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> that's the goal, right? I mean, that's where we really see. I mean, that's what excites us in terms of what we're doing because there is, as you can see for yourself, there's so much opportunity to do really, really interesting work to not just help regulate entities, but different stakeholders who are involved in the process, right, from end to end. Yeah. I'm already thinking about this in a completely different way than I was 30 minutes ago. That to me is interesting. Is is there anything that I missed? Like, what's the status of the company? You say you've been at this, what, for a year and a half? Yeah, thereabouts. So we raised our seed round in June 2019. Um, Shubankar and I, we oh, incorporated the company two years ago. Uh, right. 
around two years okay. ago. And, you know, basically we've been, you know, running as fast as we can uh, to build a team, build a product. And, you know, based on our own assessment um, of what uh, out, out, what's out there in the market, um, the sophistication of the marketplace in terms of how ready they are to embrace solutions. I think we're definitely coming to the market at the right time with a really, really good solution, you know, um, comparable to some incumbents in, this, in our space as well. Are there some gigantic players like does IBM do this, does SAP do this already, but maybe not in a way that's that flexible or that manageable or just mm. way too expensive? Yeah. And and the way, I mean, that's that's another point for us that, you know, uh, how we hope to differentiate ourselves, right? Because in terms of pricing the solution, you really have to understand who you're selling to, right? So that's, my, that's where I come from. Right. And, you know, compliance teams are effectively cost centers. So they have limited budgets. Right. And they're given typically very little tools and they have a huge mandate, right? Very important mandate. So if things go wrong, they're going to be the first guys to turn to. So in terms of pricing, we, we price our solution, I think, you know, very, very competitively because we ask ourselves a simple question. How much does it cost you to do this today? Right. And what's the value that right. we hope to deliver to you? So the manner in which we charge our clients is, is derived from the amount of value that we hope to give you right, through our solution. I'm just sitting here thinking, though, but the client market has to be massive. Real estate companies, financial services companies, trucking companies, automated car driving companies, ride hailing companies, like they all get regulated yes, at some yes, level. Yes, exactly. It it's is. Massive, it is a massive you know? market. And, you know, right now, because we're a young company, it's, it's all about sort of really validating the product market fit because we are in Asia as well, um, which is, you know, very receptive. Uh, increasingly receptive to adopting reg tech solutions and getting right. as sophisticated as the West. You know, um, I would say London would be, you know, the reg tech hub globally. Right. Um, but, you know, what well, makes sense, MIFID and all the other stuff that takes place there. Right? I feel like I should hang up on you guys <laughs> and get back to work. It's like... <laughs> yeah, but it's been, it's been really insightful. Like Shibaka, like, you know, um, he's got a lot more of uh, insights to share in terms of what yeah. is outside of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I what did I miss, Shibankar? What do you want to tell me? Michael, what you're kind of you getting is kind of this is what Hardesh calls is the project Elon Musk of our company, right? Uh, so kind of get the whole ecosystem along with regulators and regulated. But how do you get to where Elon Musk wants to go, right? Elon Musk wants to live to Mars, but he starts off with a mm. satellite that comes back. So how we plan to do this is kind of work with the regulated companies first. Uh, even if the regulators are not ready, we just build scrapers initially, right? Work with these guys first, uh, solve their problems, slowly then expand to consultants, expand to law firms, get the whole ecosystem working. Consultants can talk to the regulated, law firms can help these clients out. Uh, it's a win-win solution for all stakeholders involved. And slowly when regulators are actually ready, build that ecosystem where everybody can collaborate with each other. And uh, the tech becomes the the tech does not stay at the front, right? It just becomes something that works, like Alexa just works, right? So you don't think about it uh, yeah. and people just collaborate with each other. Yeah, I mean, that was the point I was trying to make earlier when I finally had that <laughs> sort of epiphany moment when I started realizing, wait a second, you, you build this tech, but then on top of that tech, you build all these services, right? There's this massive funnel. And then I started thinking, wait, who who are the potential clients? But again, you can't just wake up one day, fire a, a, a rocket to Mars and just like open exactly. up a shop there. Like it doesn't work that way. 
you've got to figure out all those little interim steps. And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. Exactly. Yeah. And right now it's, you know, um, we're focusing on the people who we feel needed most people who have to manage, you know, multiple different regulations, right? Either because they're in different countries or the business mm. is really complex. These are the guys, you know, talking about asset got managers, it. banks and insurance. Right? Um, so, yeah, um, hopefully we get to conquer the world soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I should let you guys go. So let me just thank you both, Hardesh Singh, co-founder and CEO of Radical Eye, and Chibankar Srivastava, co-founder and the CTO of Radical Eye, for coming in and doing this today. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so much, that. Michael. It was a wonderful time talking to you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Anything.